register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. This is the gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. Dear family of God, the birth of my son is not a very incredible story. Uh, I'll tell you how it went down. Heather thought that she was going into labor, but then she didn't, so she went to bed. But then she did, so we went to the hospital, and a few hours later, Amos was born. And that's about it. Don't get me wrong, dear. 
I will remember that day for the rest of my life. But it isn't a very incredible story. Not much out of the ordinary happened. But let me tell you, friends, the story about when your brother was born. Because it is an extraordinary story. It is one that I know you are familiar with. I can say that for certain because we just heard it. The recounting that Luke gives us in his gospel lesson. You've heard the story, you know it well, how the couple went from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And because of the census, because of the crowds, there was no place, no suitable place for them to stay. So they found shelter in an animal's pen. And that's where they were when the woman, Mary, went into labor. And so she did the best that she could for for her newborn son. She wrapped him up in cloths and then she laid him down in probably the least sanitary thing, an animal's feeding trough. And that's where they were when the shepherds found them. Yeah, that's right. This birth story has shepherds in it. Another amazing twist. We hear that these shepherds were out in a nearby field in what began for them as just another ordinary night that all of a sudden was unexpectedly and, and stupendously interrupted by the appearance of one of God's holy angels. And the glory of God Most High is radiating all around them from this angel, and the shepherds hit the deck in terror. And that's when the angel began to speak to them. He said, don't be afraid. I'm here to bring you the gospel. Glad tidings, good news that will bring joy to you and to all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And then he told them that the way they would know they had found the right baby when they went into Bethlehem, he would be the one wrapped up in cloths, lying in that feed box. And then there were more, a multitude more angels, as far as the eye could see, joining with the first one, crying out praises to God, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace. Peace to men on whom his favor rests. And then they left. And after what I imagine must have been a period of stunned silence and disbelief at what had just happened, the shepherds turned to each other and they said, yeah, we should probably go check that out. And so they ran to Bethlehem and, and they found them. The baby, just like the angel had said, wrapped up, lying there in the manger, the mother and father standing by. Now that is an incredible birth story. So incredible the shepherds recognized that they just had to tell it. And starting right there with the mother and father, they told everyone they saw what the angels had told them about that child. And as they went home, they continued to spread the news about everything they had seen and heard. It is an incredible story. And it's one you know. But how is it that I get to call it the story 
of the day that your brother was born. Well, we get there with two things. First, we have to understand that this story, the historical account of the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem, is part of a much larger, much grander story. And second, we need to pay very close attention to the words that that angel, the first angel, spoke to the shepherds. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This baby lying in the manger is the greatest gift that God has ever given. And if that's the case, then this sentence which the angel speaks is like the tag on that gift, the tag that identifies the gift and lets us know exactly who he is. With one sentence, the angel gives us three distinct titles for this infant child in the manger. The Savior, the Messiah, the Lord. And each one of those names, each one of those titles has something wonderful and, and incredible to teach us about this baby. First, the angel said he is the Savior. Well, in order to, stand un to understand what it means that he is our Savior, we have to go back like we did with our lessons to the first chapter of the story, the very beginning when God created the world, and we meet another couple there. They were just getting to know each other, just getting to know this world that God had created, this paradise which he had designed for them to enjoy in a loving life with him for all the ages. And then they sinned. And because of that sin, along with it came the consequence, the punishment of death. And God jumped right in with the words that we heard, those first glad tidings, the first gospel promise that he was going to send an offspring who would crush the devil, who would restore their relationship with God. But we don't really have to go back to the beginning of the story to find sin and death. We could keep reading from Luke chapter 2 through the rest of his gospel account or, or read any of the other gospel accounts and you'll find that sin and death were very much alive right then when Jesus came into the world. We can flip through to one of the last chapters, the one where we find ourselves. And here we are, men and women Boys and girls who were created by God for that same purpose, to live in a loving relationship with him. He loves us, we love him together forever in bliss and happiness. But just like the couple in the garden and that couple in Bethlehem and those shepherds in the field and all of the other characters from the story that fit in in between, you and I have countless times, again and again, loved ourselves rather than loving our God. And so we broke the plan. We've taken paradise out of the picture. We, we sinned, and our sin has resulted in, well, look at the world around us. 
That's what it's resulted in. It's not at all what God had planned. It isn't his perfect picture of of perfection. It's about as far away from it as you can get. And so that's why death came with sin. Because this world, this cannot be forever. Sin could not be permitted to stay forever. And so you and I, we needed a Savior too. Did you hear the words the angel said? I bring you the gospel, which will be for great joy for all people. That means the words he spoke to the shepherds were also spoken to you. Today, in the town of David, a Savior is born for you. But how would he save us? The angel told the shepherds that that Savior was the Messiah. Now, Messiah is a Hebrew word. It means the anointed one. There is a word in Greek, Christus, or Christ, which means the same thing. And that title, Messiah, is supposed to be a hint to us, an indication of just how this baby would come to be the Savior in in God's country, Israel. In the Old Testament, there were three positions to which men were anointed, the roles of prophet, priest, and king. Men who were going to serve in one of those offices would be anointed with oil being poured over their head at the onset of their service in that role. This baby in the manger, the anointed one, had come to serve as all three of those positions. He was to be God's great prophet, telling the people about their Father in heaven, calling them to repentance, to turn from their sin to God, and giving to them the blessed assurance, the promise of God's forgiveness. And he continues to serve as God's prophet today, continuing to call people to repentance and to extend to them that forgiveness through his body, the church. He came to be the priest, the great high priest who would offer a sacrifice of blood to atone for the sins of all people. But unlike any priest, even any high priest who had come before him, this child who had been born would not be offering the blood of a goat or a sheep or a bull he would be offering himself. He would continue his work as our priest. He does continue it today by interceding for us day after day before his Father's throne, pointing the Father continuously to the sacrifice he made, which has covered over all of our sins. And he had come to be the king to ransom and rescue his people, from their great enemy, the devil, casting him down by his death on the cross. And he continues to rule as our king, sitting on his heavenly throne, ruling over all things for the good of his people, the church. Jesus, that baby in the manger, was going to be able to carry out those mantles of prophet priest, and king. 
in a way that no other person who had come before him, nor none who would ever come after him, would be able to do. And that's because that baby in the manger, that infant child whom the shepherds had come and found, was no mere baby. He was not just an infant child. He was, as the angel had announced to the shepherds, the Lord. The Lord of all creation who had come now down into this world to carry out his work as prophet, priest, and king so that he could bring salvation to his people. You see, as a man, Jesus had been born into this world under God's law. But as Lord, he would be able to carry out that law perfectly and keep it without any fault. As a man, as a human being, Jesus would be able to die. But as Lord, his life was of incalculable worth. And so by becoming a man, our Lord was able to carry out this great act of love that would not have been possible for anyone else to carry out on our behalf. Having lived a perfect life, he offered that perfection and righteousness to us in exchange for the guilt of our sins, offering up his life on the cross Jesus was able to make payment for the debt of our sins, but also for the debt of the sins of everyone in the world, everyone who had lived, who was living, who had yet to be born. So great was the value of the life of our Lord. And then as Lord, he defeated death. He rose from his tomb, and he came to his people, his brothers, his disciples, and announced to them, peace be with you. I have forgiven all of your sins. It's an incredible story. But why? Why did he do it? Why go through such humiliation? Why expend so much love for a people who is caught up in loving themselves? For the answer to that question, we have to go back again to the very beginning of the story and remember why it was he created the world in the first place. It was because he wanted a place where he could love us, his people, and where we could love him as our God, and we could dwell together in that love forever. So when we turned aside, when we jumped ship from his plan, he threw out a life preserver, a life saver, a savior. He sent the savior, the Messiah, the Lord, to redeem us, to restore us, to reclaim us, to bring us back into his wonderful plan so that we could live with him forever. Jesus 
was born to be that gift of God to you. But his birth isn't the entire story, right? We can't celebrate Christmas without looking forward to his life and death and resurrection. Christmas is simply a means to an end. And Easter isn't the end either. The resurrection isn't the end. Christmas and Easter are both means. And the end, dear Christian, the end is you. The end is you being given a place in the family of God. The end is you being adopted to be God's daughter, to be his son by the merits of the gracious acts of that child who was born that night, who grew up to save us from our sins. You have a home in heaven. Because by making you his own, by making you his brothers and sisters, Jesus is able now to share with you his inheritance. And the inheritance is that plan that everlasting, loving life with God in heaven above. So have a Merry Christmas, and may God bless you as we celebrate the story of the day our brother was born. Amen.